team at Young Pro, we bring you part two of understanding the C-LOX process. On today's episode, we're focusing in on the reach portion of this process as we look to help you set up your outreaches to be able to welcome anyone from a full disciple to a full-on pagan. This is part two of understanding the C-LOX process. Okay, welcome back to the Young Pro Podcast. Today we are continuing our mini-series on understanding the C-LOX process, which is a process that can, that can take whole groups of people and individuals from not wanting anything to do to Christianity to landing as a radical disciple in a Christian community. But today we're actually going to break down the diagram a little bit further and look specifically at the reach portion of our diagram. If that term is already kind of throwing you and you're kind of lost already, I'm going to ask that you probably should go back to our previous podcast that looks broader at the overall process. But today, if you're able to check in last week and and hear that podcast, we're we're looking at the reach, reach section of the process. So, Mike, if you could break down the diagram a bit more. And you could speak a little bit on the y-axis of our diagram. Sure, sure. Okay, so so last time we talked about the fact that there's all these different locks and how the lock system works. But they also have characteristics. The, the, the y-axis, uh, if you look down it, you'll see the words tag, modes, relational qualities, goal, uh, example, and time frame. So in each of these locks, you can say, well, that lock is like, that's got blue water, not yellow water, or that's got, you know, whatever. Um, so the tags are the characteristics, or the, the y-axis is the characteristics. The first tag just kind of explains, uh, across the board, it just explains uh, one of the key ways you you could describe what's going on right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so welcome, casual Christian, and moves uh, The modes are, what's the main way you're putting something on? Is mm-hmm. it an event? Is it a program? Is it a series? Is it an environment? Uh, et cetera. Uh, the relational qualities, there, there's a lot more going on in relationships than people generally think about. So the relational <laughs> qualities are what's an initial relationship look like? What does a much deeper relationship look like? There's different qualities to relationships. Uh, the goals, what is it that you're trying to get to have happen at this level? Um, often at the end of the level, the goal is what do you need to do to get them to go up to the next level? Hmm. And then an example of what would you be the kind of event or environment or what is it that you're doing? Uh, what's that actually look like? Time frame? How long does it last? Right. Great. That's that's helpful. And as you can as you can hear, if you don't have your, your handy-dandy sheet out right now, you're going to want to get it out. We're going to be working closely with it. Uh, but moving forward... As I said, we're, lo- we're looking mainly at the reach portion today. Could you speak a little on the goals of sea level, lock one, and lock two? Sure, sure. So at a, a sea level, get, let me repeat the, the, the slight ambiguity of what a sea level event is. Sea level is really meant to be targeted for anybody. Mm. Uh, 
therefore, you're looking at people who don't have any faith. In that, it's an environment that would work for someone who has no faith. Those environments actually still work for people who have some faith, go to church, et cetera, et cetera, because it's just a good human environment. Yeah. Um, so the the, the goal um, for each of these levels, that C level environment is just simply that they come back. Mm. And one of the key things, again, in young professionals outreach, there it's the relational dynamic that is critical. So the goal is have a great relational dynamic. And the way that you define a great relational dynamic is first, so that the person who comes with you would say, I really enjoyed being there and or and or um, <clears throat> says, I met a whole bunch of new friends. Yeah. And they just go, wow, this is really good. You've got mm. contact information with them, you've started to develop some kind of a social dynamic, a real set of relationships face-to-face that they go, I'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. So that's really the goal of the C-level environment. If you then go up, then you're, you're looking at uh, at lock one where you're doing a different kind of uh, environment, deeper friendship, deeper connectivity. So that they'd actually say something more like, I wouldn't just come to this. I'd actually consider going to a basketball game or doing something else or mm. developing a real friendship that doesn't just take place at the party. Right. It exists in other in, in, in other situations. The relationship deepens. Uh, and then uh, at the, the, the second lock, um, you're actually really looking to be able to get into more uh, faith dialogue. The, the first mm. lock, you might be in some faith dialogue, but it's not really the key goal necessarily yet. Mm. But you're not hiding your Christianity either. Okay. By the second one, you go, yeah, we're trying to get there with our faith and be able to talk a little bit more about it. That's great. So it's really not until the third level until we're really searching for a sustained faith dialogue with people. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Because CELO, you might have... Um, in any of these environments, you've got to make the distinction between Tim and Bill. Right. Uh, okay. So Tim is a church-going Christian. You've known him most of your life. Mm. But this is the first, he's just gotten back from university somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera. You're inviting him to this. Well, he knows you're a Christian. You know, you went to church together or whatever. You can have a conversation with Tim that mm-hmm. you might not have with Bill, who's the guy at work, who has no interest in faith whatsoever. But you've invited both Tim and Bill to come to this C-level environment. And lo and behold, Tim and Bill are both into, it's March Madness right now, and they're both into <laughs> And you right. just go, right, they're having a good conversation about this, and that's all fine. But I would expect to say to Bill, hey, I'll see you in church on, in church on Sunday. Because mm. he's not going to be there. Right, right, that's great. Hmm. Well, we, so we talked a, a bit, looking at the first, the first level, is we talked a bit about C-level environments, but could you break down exactly what makes a C-level environment for us? Sure. What we're really trying to do is to have an environment where you can invite people, build friendships, and it's not like the first thing I have to do is invite them to a prayer meeting or the first thing yeah. I need to do is invite them to something that's a little too far up and a little too mm. far in for them to feel comfortable. Uh, and, and that's true even with Christians. Right. You just go, I would feel uncomfortable if I was invited to certain Christian things, even though I'm a Christian. Yeah. Because I don't know anybody, and I'm going to be standing here all on my own, and they're going to be talking about things that I don't know, mm. and they're going to have in-speak and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Mm. That's what you don't want. Yeah, that's great. And, and you were, I've heard a little bit before about environments just being smart, I guess, with the kind of environments we're having. Is there anything that we should look to avoid, like any of the in-speak that we should, we should look to cut out? 
Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that you have when you're, you've been in a committed uh, Christian body for a good long while, especially mm. like a community. You do begin to develop and speak, whether you <laughs> think of it that way right. or you don't think of it that way. It was interesting. I was just with one of my uh, nephews recently. I realized he talks really differently than I do, but he talks the way his friends talk, not mm. the way that my friends talk. <laughs> it's not that he doesn't have any friends. Yeah. And therefore, he doesn't know how to talk. He talks in the way that his friends talk. So part of what you're trying to do in a C-level environment is have uh, a, the kind of speech that just about anybody could connect to. Hmm. So you're not talking about, hey, I want you to come over here and meet some of the other brothers. You go, what are you talking about? I mean, my, <laughs> my other friends, my other buddies, you know? And you go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So a lot of it has to do with speech, mm. making sure that the speech works well and checking yourself to ensure that you're talking in a way that they that, that doesn't put people off. Mm. Um, I think we all have to do that. We yeah. realize that. You know, you're in a business environment. You realize you can't just say to people at the end of a phone call to some your boss, hey, praise the Lord, I thought that discussion went really, really well. Uh, bless you. You don't, you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you say that in yourself, a C-level yeah. environment. But, mm. of course, you would say that after a community meeting. So it's it's learning. There's that kind of stuff. Uh, there are other markers that I think make it a really strong, stronger Christian environment than you might want, like um, what clothing you wear. Mm. Uh, I think you had to even look at some of those kinds of things and say, so should I be wearing this particular T-shirt to a C-level environment event? Maybe not. Hmm. Um, should we have all of these um, religious sayings, photos, whatever, marking the whole environment so that people yeah. feel like, I don't, this isn't like most houses I've ever been in. Hmm. Uh, so you have those kinds of questions. You're looking at what kind of environment are we setting up that people would say, I have no trouble with this environment. But at the same time, then is removing some of those things, is it helping and being able to focus on some of the relational qualities that kind of that make us who we are, in your opinion, is oh, that? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Let me give you another example. <laughs> Put up fifteen television screens with March Madness on there and invite some guys. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Are you going to sit and talk face to face with them and say, "Hey, how's life going?" And you know, I've, you know, we're doing this and this and this, and I'd like you to meet my friends. And he's just constantly looking at the television screen. <laughs> you know, if you're attracted or disgusted by your mm -hmm. environment, it really controls what you do. Yeah. Our goal is that they have opportunity to engage in face-to-face -face encounters and real relationships with people because there is, you said it earlier, that people are looking for genuine relationships, not mm. fake stuff. There's so much fake stuff out there. Uh, they're looking for genuine uh, relationships. They're looking for uh, real friendships. And that's what we're trying to provide because they can't get that in a lot of other places. So if you distract them with this, that, and the other thing, you're not actually going to provide them with the main thing you're trying to provide them with. Mm. And distracting them with, with dialogue and, and in talk and in speak that they have no re relation to is also just going to pull them away from, okay, this guy's actually really loving me in an intentional way. And we know from our, our, well, our first podcast, we know from our first podcast that young professionals are short on lasting friendship. And in this environment is all about building friendships. There's a clear opportunity there. And we know from our, our fourth podcast, Intentional Love, that we can really build relationships in these environments if we have these intentional conversations, these really conversations that look to get to uh, below the surface level in a healthy way and really look to, to understand somebody and really look to love somebody in a in a moment 
I guess if you could speak a little bit on a few examples of, of sea level sea level environments. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, the the first one that that um, really caught my attention was how they were doing this in Kansas City uh, when when they were doing Taco Tuesdays on Mondays. And the idea of it was um, people will come if you offer them food. <laughs> and I, yeah, that's true. Uh, most young professionals aren't in the position where they love staying at home and cooking by themselves or going out to dinner on their own or whatever, whatever. Or cooking for a family. Or cooking yeah. for a family or the rest of it. So you've got people who do need to eat and would enjoy eating with other people. And this is just kind of a casual uh, environment where you're going to be providing them with food and friendship. That's what, yeah. what that's basically what it was. Um, and then they would do a, a mixer uh, or some sort of game somewhere in, in, in the uh, evening so that people had another way to engage uh, as well. But again, the, the focus was really on relationships and broadening sets of friendships in that environment. Another one was um, that I thought worked very, very well. Uh, they did in Ann Arbor. And that was really, it was really a men's night kind of a, of a thing. Where again, they would invite them over. There was food uh, involved and um, uh, smoking cigars, I think they were doing. Uh, <laughs> whatever, something. Yeah. But it was a lot of, uh, again, conversation-based mm. stuff that their friends would be attracted to. Hmm. They then moved it on into some discussions. You know, So they kind of got, they started off as sea level. And, and this is a real interesting thing. They didn't run a long-term sea level environment. They took a set of guys that they're just trying to connect with, had a couple of things like that, and then moved it fairly quickly into something more like a lock two environment, hmm. which was where they, because uh, a lot of these guys had been connected in some way, shape, or form before. Uh, and they said, hey, you want to get together and just talk about life? And, you know, so basically it was a, a light version of a men's group. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, but again, that was relationship at a deeper level than what they have out there and they yeah. enjoyed being able to talk about that how are things going etc 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 and they said well this is these are good guys they've become friends because we've had this kind of conversation so it started off as a kind of much more of a sea level thing but it mm. moved fairly quickly on they weren't looking to create a long-term sea level environment mm. which i think is for long-term young professionals outreach that's probably what you want to do yeah they just took it uh, short term and and moved it on uh, and then I think if you take uh, the Sycamore Initiative that they've got in Lansing, uh, you know they're they're kind of going where they're going to go with it. They're seeing as they go, mm. um, but they've just started doing that where it's much more like a, a Taco Tuesday environment again, food relationships, etc. Yeah, I think there's an interesting little thread that I'm starting to see through these. It's it's like what is a what is a young professional transitional adult missing after they leave college? Where they have a lot of uh, a lot of friends, a lot of like community, and then before they either start a family or land in a community, they're missing eating meals with people. They're missing having good conversation. I've heard uh, other opportunities of joining sports groups. They're missing these things that they had before, and now they're in this 10, 12, 6-year gap that there's really inroads there for, for outreaches to come and fill that felt need and also build relationships and, and help move them up maybe to the next lock as they did in Ann Arbor. Uh, but moving forward, I guess, could you, looking at lock one and two, tell me what are some of the key differences between what a sea level environment has and lock one or sure, two? Sure. Okay. So let's get back to the uh, back to the chart. Uh, we talked in a previous conversation about the difference between an environment and an event. Right. So most of your reach 
environments are environments. You do mm. have sometimes you put on a reach event, but generally it's more environment. Therefore, it's casual. It doesn't feel like it's clearly purpose driven. Now, by the time to get to lock two, you might actually be having a Christian event like a Bible study. Hmm. Now, it should still have a lot of, you have to pay attention a lot to the environment, but the mode that you're operating out of is you move from an environment mode into an event mode where hmm. you actually have a purpose and they're, they're aware of the purpose. So if you invite me to a Bible study, I expect I'm going to come and learn about the Bible. Uh, so again, by the time you get into lot two, you start to find that there's a lot more obvious, overt, identifiable to your friend who's coming, purpose to the mm -hmm. whole thing. They'll, they'll recognize there's a purpose uh, to it. Um, the, uh, the key thing that you go through is you go through the relational uh, uh, qualities. Again, the, the first two, the sea level and lock one, are really mainly about just develop those relationships. Hmm. By lock two, you're presenting things. And it's not just wide open exchange of information. And there, it's it's typically a Bible study. Maybe it's a men's night uh, with uh, uh, cigars and a testimony uh, mm. or uh, steak and whiskey. Uh, but again, with some sort of content, Lot 2 gets identified as there is some real intentional content being mm. uh, put into it in the way that, that C. Level and Lock 1 don't necessarily. Gotcha. That's good to know. So it's mainly more of just like having more identifiers and having a, more of a purpose with, behind the content and presenting things to to the person coming. Yeah. And I, I would say the, the <clears throat> two other keys about maybe lock one and lock two is they're not necessarily set up to be long term. Mm. Whereas, again, if you're doing a C-level environment, it does make sense that you always have something that people can come to. And also continue to bring people in. And to continue to bring new people. Absolutely, mm. exactly. Uh, whereas with a lock two Bible study, you're not necessarily trying to do a lifelong Bible study for this person or these people. <laughs> yeah. You go, they can get that through their church. The Bible study that we're doing is an initial exposure to faith, and we're not looking to run this for a year or two. Hmm. We might be running it for a year or two, but we're trying to move people from this into a deeper level of faith up to the next lock. So you might just say, hey, this spring what we're doing is we're not doing the men's uh, whiskey and cigar and testimony nights anymore. We're going to actually do a Bible study. You're interested in coming. You know? mm. and so you're moving them up to the next more intentional level of, of, of things with a lot through kind of event. Well, speaking of that, speaking of moving people, I, I think a lot of people, that, that is some of the things that they found a little bit difficult is how, how exactly, as an outreach, do we move people from – a Taco Tuesday to a Bible study to maybe considering even a, a Life in the Spirit seminar. How, how how do you go about that? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll give, I'll give three different ways that, I, that that come to mind for me. There may be more, but off the top of my head here. Um, one is the group says it, as in like you're at a Taco Tuesday and mm. you're going to do a Life in the Spirit seminar because you've got enough people who would be ready for it. Mm. You say it in the kind of a way that the, the person who's not interested in it doesn't feel like they've just been excluded. Hmm. Uh, but you can put out the invitation. Hey, we're doing a Life in the Spirit seminar in two weeks. Anybody wants to sign up for it, you know, just talk to me or talk to so-and-so, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Mm. The other ways then are individual, the one-to-one -one kind of how do you invite someone to take the next step. Right. And some of those happen just casually. So, you know, you've been to this event or that event, you're driving home and uh, you're saying, hey, you know, 
we're going to reach the end of the Bible study here in uh, two weeks. But there's something coming up after it called Life in the Spirit Seminar and Elf, of course. And I'm, you know, uh, I would you be interested in being uh, invited to that? A lot of them will say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, they won't right. quite say that, but they'll say, what, do you, what is this? Then you have a chance to inform them a little bit more, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have a feel for, should I try to invite them with a yes or no answer as the result here and now, or should I just be talking about this and then I'll come back to it? Mm. So the question of how do you invite someone to the next step is one of your own perception of how they're responding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be done uh, you know, in a casual context where you go, this just came up. Or it can be more intentional, where you go, hey, let's go out for a beer, and we're sitting and talking, talking, talking. But I know that at some point in time tonight, I'm going to want to bring up, are you interested in coming to a Life in the Spirit seminar? Oh, well, what's that Life in the Spirit seminar? You intended to go there, versus it just kind of came up casually. Mm-hmm. So you have the group invite, you have the kind of casual, okay, well, the door opened, and I just walked through it. And then the other <laughs> one where I go, I am knocking on that door, and I'm pushing on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And having a feel for which ones that you should use, and, yes, exactly. and how, and yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. great. Hmm. Well, a lot of this, a lot of this reach work seems to come back to just building relationships and intentionally uh, interacting people and loving people. What would you say, I guess, to the person who is who is either in the process of building relationships right now or is considering starting to maybe for their outreach do a C level event, uh, but feels that it could just be an overinvestment in their limited time? I know yeah, a lot of young professionals are, are working on their margin already. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that as instead of them trying to do that, go to start at lock two or three that focuses more on gospel presentations or higher impact spiritual events? Yeah. Well, part of it is what do you have? Um, so if you don't have a sea level event and what you've got is a men's steak night, we'll invite them to the men's steak night. Mm. You know, um, Sorry, ladies. I, you know, I'm a male. I just don't <laughs> quite have the feel for how you're. But you, women are so good at translating this stuff. I just, you know. Yeah, they'll. Fi- we they'll know they'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, so um, yes, I am too busy. I would come back and say, "Are you too busy to be friendly?" Hmm. If you're too busy to be friendly, you got your priorities screwed up. Hmm. You are supposed to love this. I don't care what you're busy with. If you're not busy with love, you're busy with something less. Hmm. And you should be busy with loving your neighbor. Uh, you should be busy with loving your God. Those are the things that we should be busy with. On the other hand, I think there's another question behind it, which is, but what if I then get into a relationship that's going to take eight Taco Tuesdays before they'd be interested in uh, moving forward on that? I go, well, that is a tougher and it's a... It's a more legitimate question. But one of the things that we're really trying to do is set up environments where it's not all dependent on you. Right. You're trying to get them into a set of other relationships so somebody else can pick them up. Hmm. Uh, so if what you do is I'm the guy who brings everybody in the front door, but I don't hang around very often along, and I'll bring some other new people. But I don't do any of those Bible study things. It's not that I don't believe in the Bible. I just don't have Tuesday night free. Mm-hmm. They're doing those. So part of it is the handoff. And if you get this genius for friendship in the group working right, you won't have to carry all that stuff. Hmm. There are solutions. I think the first thing that comes to people's mind is probably something that leads them down the wrong track, which is, I don't know if I'll be able to follow through on all this. Well, that's okay. Just start. And then figure out what happens thereafter. Yeah, that's great. And it's more and more comes back to just, the need for having a healthy outreach around you is just going to be able to help you not have to carry these burdens of 
holding, walking through the whole journey with someone for seven years. Where yes. that's that's a big, that's a huge ask because we're trying to figure out our lives and who we're gonna yeah. marry, where we're gonna work, and what community. But yes, very. It points to just the need for an established outreach with these kind of a lot, uh, levels and locks and events and environments that we can continually bring people through. Thanks for coming, Mike. I appreciate your your wisdom as always, and and we'll be back for for one more episode in this in this three part mini series on understanding the locks. We're going to jump into the call side of it next episode. But for now, young pros, thanks for listening, and Mike, thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. <laughs>